what I always like to think about it is it it takes forethought to say, how do I help guide this process and still, instead of waiting for somebody else to notice me, you know, notice what I can do well and I do a really good job, won't they just notice what I do? And who is it that goes for personal branding? Really, we should all be doing that. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the brand new You Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you boost your career credibility. I'm your host, Ryan Roten, and today's guest is Susan Critton. Susan is a master personal brand strategist, executive career coach, and a master career counselor. She loves guiding professionals who are looking to engage their authentic self through personal branding by identifying their uniqueness and arranging the variables in their lives so that they can transition from who they've been to who they want to become. Susan is also the author of the book, Personal Branding for Dummies, which is what we will be spending most of our time talking about today. Susan, it is absolutely my pleasure to welcome you to the brand new You Show. Thanks, Ryan. I'm looking forward to it as well. Well, I am anxious to dive into your book, which is excellent, by the way. But before we get there, I need to ask you the one question that I ask every one of my guests, which is, if you could vacation in only one place for the rest of your vacation days, where would you go? (laughs) Um, I think it would have to be the south of France. So I love the Provence and Languedoc regions. I took both of my sons there on a trip when they were 12. And then I went a couple years ago, last October. So actually, I think I've been four times. And uh, I love it down there. Yeah. Awesome. I can honestly say that I have been to France also. However, I need to caveat that. (laughs) I was visiting friends in Switzerland who literally lived right on the border of Switzerland. (laughs) So I I like walked across the street. (laughs) So that I could, just so I could say I was in I've been to France. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, it didn't look much different than Switzerland where I was at. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So when you, when we talk about personal branding, there are, you know, you hear lots of different things about it, but I'm always curious when I have somebody on who's, you know, an expert in the, in the topic, such as yourself, I'm always curious to know, how did you get started uh-huh. And personal brand. Um, so I have been, I'm a trained career counselor. Um, I was in the outplacement field for many years and was always frustrated that we waited to do career development until somebody was laid off. And it, it really bothered me actually that we weren't doing more internal career development. And so probably in about I think it was like 2003, um, William Maruda offered a class to the uh, what was then the Association of Career Professionals. And I thought, oh, this might be a way to do more of that career development internally, um, because I worked at that point for Wright Management Consultants. And I have since then worked for a couple other outplacement firms, including Smart, where I work right now. But what I loved about personal branding is it really, to me, was was the career development process with kind of more business language, internal language that you could use for somebody who was working in their career as it was. And so for me, it was like, oh, maybe if I use different language, someone will listen to me. <laughs> because I had thought that really, I, I remember going to the people at Right Management saying, we should do, we should be trying to sell our services internally and work with clients. And they're like, Susan, stay in your lane. So um, never wanted to stay in my lane. I, so I took this class from William Aruda, and it was it was really more of a, a lighter weight introduction. And from that, I ended up 
taking the full long training to become a personal brand strategist. Wow, that's cool. So, so let me ask you, like I said, like, as I said, as I, before I asked the first question, you hear about personal branding a lot, but if I'm a business professional and I'm going to work on a daily day basis, how do I know if I need, if I quote need personal brand? You need to figure out a, a way to be noticed for the work that you do, to be congruent with the work that you're doing. Um, your book too, and, and heard you speak, is that it's that place of not waking up after a long time of saying, I've worked really hard and shouldn't somebody just recognize that? And I think it's what I always like to think about it is it it takes forethought to say, how do I help guide this process and still, instead of waiting for somebody else to notice me? And you know, notice what I can do well. And and certainly I, I am totally a uh, fell in your camp as well, which is really hard. And I do a really good job. Won't they just notice what I do? And I think that, you know, so that piece about who is it that goes for personal branding, really, we should all be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one time I was talking with an HR person at the company I was working for at the time. And I asked them, should I be telling people about what I'm achieving. And what I mean by that, I mean like other people within the organization, not just my boss. And I'll never forget, she looked right at me and she said, oh no, Ryan, you don't have to do that. We take care of that stuff for you here. And that never set well with me. And I can tell you from that moment on, I I really Mm -hmm. paid attention and tried to observe. And I never never Mm -hmm. witnessed that taking Mm -hmm. place. Right. (laughs) You know, and I think it's hard for, I think it's hard for people to talk about themselves and their accomplishments because they feel like mm-hmm. they're, they're bragging, you know, especially right. when it comes to a business setting. Um, and I like to look at that in a different way, which is if you're telling the truth and you are really guiding that conversation for the right target audience, it's not a matter of bragging. It's really a matter of saying, here's what I can do. Here's what I don't do. Um, and here are the best ways to use me. I mean, I remember going on an interview once saying to them, you should never hire me if you want to keep things the same. I'll make you crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I, I always am thinking of new ways to do something and how do we make things better? And if you want me just to come in and do the work, I'm probably not the right person because I'll, I'll really always be looking for how do we do it better? What do we need to change? What needs to look different? And so that was a conversation where it wasn't, to me, it wasn't even bragging. It was actually this truthful conversation of I know myself well enough to know what I'm going to do when I get there. Yeah. So, I mean, and that actually, that's a great segue because it takes us right into part two of your book, Personal Branding for Dummies, which is all about knowing your brand. Because obviously, when you're making those statements, you know your brand well enough to know how you will fit in in different environments. And so what, how difficult is it for people who are getting started in the personal branding journey to kind of define who they are? It's where I spend most of my time. So it, it, when I work with people, I spend a lot of time on that self-reflection. And one of the things I'll say to somebody when they're calling to work with me is, is that I think that's a very important part and it's a piece I focus on. So, so how hard is it? I think somebody has to be at a point in their life they're ready to look. That's something important to, to say right there is, is that 
When they come and they're ready to look, I'm a great guide for that. Like I have somebody I'm working with right now, and I am trying to get him to tell a more authentic version of his personal commercial. And he's got this like almost canned speech that he's used to using. So I could talk a lot about the subject. You, you said something there that uh, I, I had to write it down. How do people know? You know, they're at a point in their life when they're ready to look. How do you th- what like what are some symptoms if I'm that I would feel that I would say, you know what, I, I think I'm open and receptive to this. It's time for me to to look uh-huh. at something more. Um, well, usually as as I've said to one client, he goes, Gosh, you always see me at my worst. And I said, Yes, but I know that. <laughs> right. So so I would say people who are often ready to look at this face, this part something's not gone well in their life or they're dissatisfied about something or they feel frustrated that they're stuck at a a level or a place that they, they are ready to break from. And so um, I have a great story actually about, about a client around that. So she is energetic and positive and upbeat. And one of the things that she saw was that the company and she's in marketing, the company she works with is very traditional and they, kind of like my conversation about keeping things the same. So on her strengths, she's futuristic and ideation and strategic. And I said, you know, somebody like you should really be working in an industry that challenges those, um, those, those pieces of your strengths that you get to use those an industry that says, well, where are we headed and what's going to happen there? And what, what ideas do I have? And it was this, you know, watching her, as I'm sure you've had this with clients, it's like watching the light bulb fully go on. And she said, oh my gosh, I knew things were not right. I couldn't put my finger on it. I kept looking at, you know, what's wrong with my relationship with my boss? What's wrong with this or that? She goes, I realized that it's that I'm in such the wrong spot for who I am and what I have to offer the world. And so, and so she knew she needed to do something different at that point. She did. And so uh, originally she kind of came to me working, wanting to work on just the idea of looking at her brand, you know, what did she need to do with it? She was a fairly new transplant to the, I mean, the San Francisco Bay area. And through this, she's just really realized that she was in the wrong place. She was really miserable what she was doing and that, um, through looking at even some of her values and different things, she was driving an hour and a half to work each day. I mean, a whole bunch of things started adding up that made it where the more she got to look at herself, the more she said, there are many reasons I will never be successful here. And so I need to start to look at how do I line up the pieces of who I am to places that are going to love that about me. So as you were going through that exercise with her, I, I, I mean, I'm hearing you and I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on your book and hearing uh, the words that I read earlier, which is you were kind of focusing with her then on her needs and her values. Uh-huh. And do you have an exercise that you take your, your clients through to help them understand what their needs are and what their values would be so that they can use those as kind of a, uh, you know, a filter or goalposts when they're trying to look for a transition to a new role. Um, yeah, thank you for asking that. I have a couple. I have a couple different things that I do. So there's the traditional long list of values, and have them check those. You know, circle the ones that are top, and we look at the top five values. Sometimes I use values card sorts. 
what I've been doing lately, um, looking at values, and I have another one for needs I'll talk about in a minute, is there's an exercise called the um, values in action, so the VIA strengths. And what that looks at is what are those internal value strengths that you bring to the table that motivate you that may be unconscious, uh, you're unconsciously motivated, and, and it's free. People can go online. It's called V, so values, V-I-A, character.org. And so, for example, what my top couple are curiosity, creativity, and love of learning. So those are those are values, deep, deep values for me that motivate me in everything I do. I'm I'm intensely curious about everything, um, sometimes to my detriment. Um, <laughs> I am, I am, you know, creative. So I always like to be coming up with something new and different, and look at it in a different way. And love of learning. So I'm always reading. I'm always thinking about new ways that people do that. Here's an, a good, really good example of one with a client. He was a CEO of a kind of an education tech company. And his company was merging with another one. So he knew he would be leaving and all of that. But we did the VIA strengths and he was talking on about another CEO position and this and that. And leadership actually showed up fairly low for him. And he goes, this is really disturbing. I'm a CEO. Leadership should be really important to me. Da-da-da-da-da. And teamwork and both of those were kind of low. And I said, but when you think about your teams, he too had creativity and love of learning towards his, his top values. And he, I said, how is it when you work with people that you love to work with them? And he said, well, I really love to come up with new ways that we do things and creating new, new products and ideas. And so I said, so it's not about the leadership. It's about sharing ideas with a group of people. And through that, he realized he would actually be just as happy as a high-priced consultant because what he really wanted to do was create and share ideas. So that was that was a great example of um, kind of values in action. As far as the need, um, there's an exercise I have in my book where it really takes a look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. For those of us who took Psych 101 in college, that was it's a pretty basic platform of physiological safety, belonging, and love, esteem, and self actualization needs. But I broke those down into how do those apply to somebody's career. And so when I think about needs, like, for example, at its most basic means food, shelter, clothing, you know, that kind of thing. For some people, that means 200,000 a year. For other people, it just means I'm barely off the street. So first of all, I like to get a really good handle on what is your base of your pyramid? What is that for you? Because the game is played in a different way as we look at that. What I think from a personal branding standpoint, the next one is safety. Do I feel safe at my work? And safety could be physical safety, but it could also mean that fear of if I'm not good enough, I'll get fired, right? So if there's that's looming over them, they are always in worry of safety. What I think is those two need to be really pretty solid before you you can work on your personal brand of work. And even if they're not solid, you need to sort of have a good mental framework that they feel solid. Because I really think part of what personal branding does is then elevates us to where do we belong? Who's our target audience? Who are our people? Self-esteem, which is the career esteem, which is getting that place of, wow, great job. You know, in your case, like Ryan, great job on your book. That's a, a career esteem moment. 
But finally, and where I think what I love is that place of if, is personal branding at its best is when we're really saying, where do I get to be in career mastery? So on Maslow, that is the self-actualization piece. But in career mastery, it's that place of like fully getting to use your talents, that place about contributing to the greater good, knowing what your purpose is in life or feeling like you are on purpose. I guess that's a better way to say it. Um, and just feeling like I am like doing my work. So I, those are things that I often will work on with a client to try and understand where they fall in those and where do we start with it. I run into a lot of people who, and I'm frankly, I'm one of them too at times, but like they have a lot of quote passions or things that are very interest that they're interested in. Mm-hmm. How, how do people know which ones they should follow in order to figure out where they belong? Well, I think it's that feeling of it's, it's not just the passions. It's what that when you go to a group and you go, are these my people? Like, do I feel like I fit in here? I recently went to a conference in Madrid with the career thought leaders. And it was a fairly small conference, about 60 people from 11 or 12 countries. And I just went, oh my gosh, these are like my people. They're from all over the place. And yes, we do different versions of this work, but I just felt like I was home. Those were the people that I was meant to be with. And I think from a passion standpoint, sometimes those are things that are hobbies, right? So there may be a place where you love to do, let's say, ceramics or something. One of the things you'll often find, and people don't think of it this way, is that sometimes their customers or their clients actually come from their um, their hobbies. So I've had people that I've worked with that I are in my yoga classes or book clubs, and certainly a lot of my volunteer work that I do where it's it's a good fit. So sometimes just getting to know you, and again, I think that your life should not be so compartmentalized that you are a different person in each of those places. Like even if you are, you know, going back to my ceramics idea, you take pottery classes, personality-wise, you shouldn't be that different than you are at work. I mean, part of your personal brand is that you you go be you wherever you go. Yeah, and that, that can be very difficult for some people, for sure, especially if they are in a work environment that doesn't align with their values or doesn't meet their needs, and they def- and they don't, which, you know, in which case they don't feel like they belong. Yeah, exactly, and so they become a lesser version of themselves. You, you mentioned this earlier, and let's go ahead and talk about this. I mean, we everybody talks about strengths a lot, uh, but let's go ahead and talk about strengths for just a minute. Why, why is it important for us to know and understand our strengths? Well, it's something that I now do with every one of my clients. They have to do the strengths finder. I mean, that's one of the things. If, if they've done it before, they can bring me their old one, that which is fine. But I am a firm believer that our personal brand really needs to be built on our strengths. It's got to be the foundation of what we build that on. And so what the Gallup Strengths Finder is a way to look at what am I naturally good at? So if I'm naturally good, like my number one strength is strategic. And so I naturally am good at seeing three steps ahead. I can't help myself. Like I just, no matter where I go, no matter what I do, whether I'm a volunteer or I do this in my work, I'm always thinking different pathways and three steps ahead and and that kind of thing. And so I look at that with my clients and say, where do you get to be this? I mean, going back to that client that I had where futuristic was hers and she worked for a very stable 
non-unique company that was never going to be that futuristic. That was good. That was actually a bad fit for her because she loves the new and the next and what's happening with that. So I think it's, it's really important to think about strengths as a foundation. And then how do you build your brand where you get to be the best of that? And I also think that personal branding is really that strategic process of trying to influence how others see you. And if you have a good knowledge of your own strengths, then you're more consciously aware of how do I want those to show up? Yeah, it's it's uh, interesting that uh, strategic is your number one because it is also my number one. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, followed by relator and then futuristic. So yeah, I agree. It when I when I took the strengths finder test, my first thought was, okay, this is great. I'm not really sure what to do with this information. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I liked what you just said, which was uh, look at it and ask yourself that question. Where do you get to apply that strength uh-huh. in your current job? Because a lot of people don't look at it. I mean, it, you know, we, we go about our jobs, we do our work and we just look at it as it's just work. It's just something we do to get a paycheck. And we don't actually realize that if we're not happy, sometimes it's because we're not working in a strength. And we're working in a weakness that is keeping us from reaching our full potential. Right. So like if you were to walk in my office, I am surrounded by books. <laughs> so learner is one of mine, as is love of learning on the VIA strength. So I think I chose a profession in career development that's always changing. Like I always have to learn. I can never know it all. And to me, and, and I think for each, for me, each client, I get to vicariously live through them and I learn all about the work they do. And so for me, it feeds my learner. And I, you know, I did that without really knowing my strengths when I chose that. But I think for me, it is the perfect occupation for me. <laughs> I really am well suited for what I do. Yeah, good, good. I mean, and, and you know, and you didn't you didn't know that from day one. It took you some time to figure that out, and you reached that point where you wanted to learn. You wanted to learn more, so you you immersed yourself in it. And what I, what I always find interesting is is that, and, and actually, as I after I took the strengths test and I started to look back at my career, I noticed that there was a pattern mm-hmm. that I was naturally gravitating towards as I took each new position or role. Mm-hmm. And all of them had just a common thread in it. And all of them I could tie back to one of the top five strengths at some point. Right. Which I found very interesting. And I was doing it not consciously. Now I use it consciously. <laughs> but right. it just right. happened that way. You naturally gravitate, I think, towards things that, you know, that you enjoy and that you have a natural talent to. But if you find yourself in that spot where you're not satisfied and you're not happy and you're struggling knowing your strengths is a great way for you to, I think, to kind of turn yourself around and really start to ask, okay, where can I use these either in the current company or maybe I have to go somewhere else? So there's a woman in Australia named Michelle McQuaid. And um, a few years ago, I went back and I got a certificate in applied positive psychology work um, in personal branding. But I took a class from Michelle because I, I, understood the Gallup strengths, the ones we're talking about, but I didn't really understand the the VIA strengths. Like how did you use them together? I just couldn't get my head around that. And Michelle had a class where what she looks at is the Gallup strengths are your external strengths, the talents, the things that you naturally do well without, 
you know, it's almost like breathing some, and this is a really good point to make with my clients too, which is because it's almost like breathing, you actually forget, you don't even think that, about doing it. And so what I like to do is consciously bring it to their attention because they may have actually discounted it because it's so obvious to them. And so what I do is make them slow down and say, no, no, let's look at it. But what she, what the class did for me was look at the values and action strengths, which say, this is the, on the inside, what my strengths are on the inside and what motivates me. Here's my strengths on the outside with the Gallup strengths. Where do they overlap and what becomes my zone of greatness? So like for me, I, my zone of greatness, greatness were the, the strengths of the head, which were the wisdom strengths, you know, and it's all about learning and teaching and, you know, strategy and all of that. So again, I'll do that with my clients and we'll just take a look and say, like when they'll have, let's say if they're in career transition, we'll go back and I'll say, okay, I want you to look at that. Will you get to be this when you go to this new place? And I've actually had one client say, you know what, I'm not going to get to be this. I'm going to turn it down. So I think it becomes really important. It becomes a conscious thought versus an afterthought. Right, right. Sometimes sometimes moving to something new isn't always the best solution. Right. <laughs> especially if you're just especially if the new is really just doing what you were doing before at a different place. Especially for people who are enthusiastic, um, if they sometimes, you know, they they can see the shiny pin, penny in almost anything. <laughs> One of the things that actually made me kind of chuckle out loud as I was reading through your book, um, right around this same point where you're talking about strengths and weaknesses is, and, and you mentioned it before, we're so close to it, we just don't see it ourselves. Or we see some things in ourselves that we think we shouldn't show other people because they're so uh-huh. unique or different. And you referred to that as our freak factor. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? So that's actually one of my very favorite things to talk about when I help people write their bios because what we all have lots of them, right? So it's not just that we only have one freak factor, but what these are is things that you do that are kind of different. Like you may not want to tell anybody that, I don't know, you're a stamp collector or that um, (laughs) you are like, there was a lady and there was a lady at the conference that I met you at where um, she always wears purple always. And so her freak factor is she's the lady in purple. And sure enough, she was wearing purple and we laughed about it. And I said, I know you because every time I see you, you're in purple. But what I love about it is that it's actually what people remember about you. So one of the ones I use is I ride a red Vespa. And I, I think I'm the only one in my town, at least that I've seen that rides a red Vespa. And I I often ride it to yoga class. So I have my yoga mat on my back and people see me and they're like, there goes Susan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, and so I I actually have people put that in their bios that they like their LinkedIn summaries um, because what it does is it becomes a conversation starter and they'll, so the conversations with mine is they'll go, Oh, you really ride a Vespa? You know, how fast does it go? Do you ride it on the freeway? And it has nothing to do with my work, but it's an easy way to enter a conversation. And I think part of personal branding, much like having good manners, is that how do you do things in a way that allows other people to have conversation with you, to make things easy, to get to know you? And I think our freak factor is a really fun way to think about just like different things that we do. So I'm going to turn it on you, Ryan, and say, what's one of yours? 
I, you know, and it's funny, I'm, as you were, as you were talking, I'm sitting here thinking, what is one of mine? And I can tell you, I have to have, I have to have a whiteboard near me. Yeah. And right. So like I am surrounded by whiteboards in this room in which I am speaking now. My desk is a whiteboard. There's a whiteboard behind me and I have to have it in order to take thoughts that are in my head and get them out and be able to organize them. If I can't have a whiteboard, then I got to have, I got to have something, <laughs> paper, sketch paper, whatever. Yeah. So you must be a really, you must be a really strong kinesthetic learner. <laughs> yeah, I, I must be. But <laughs> Sorry, the teacher and me. Oh yeah. I forgot to say that the teacher and me coming back out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, and I have, uh, so like, I know people will, like I was in meetings when I was in the corporate world and there were people who would sit there and go, Ryan, the right whiteboard's right there. Go figure this out for us. Mm-hmm. And you know, so other people noticed. I just never consciously knew that that's what I would do. But I could, I would feel myself in meetings at times, like get nervous because the conversation wasn't going anywhere. And I knew if I just had a whiteboard in that room, I could, I could straighten out the conversation. <laughs> right, and and actually to that point, as I I look up on my wall, I've got a a mind map. I I love to mind map. That's one of my. Do you, do you ever do any of that? Yeah. Um, and so. Back to your question about with my clients and looking at who they are, sometimes what I'll actually do is I'll pull out and I have on my desk a, a bunch of colored pencils and I will pull out my colored pencils and grab a piece of paper and I will actually mind map out who they are, you know, each line being values, a line being values, a line of strengths, a line of needs, a line of, you know, taking each of the branches of a mind map and in the center, of course, is them. And that's sometimes what we'll use as our map to say, okay, so let's map out your brand, your brand. I mean, I find it personally, it does two things. One, it helps calm me down (laughs) when I get there uh, because I get to take charge. I mean, this sounds weird to say, right? But I get to take charge of the conversation and kind of guide it along. Mm -hmm. But by doing that, it does not not only does it calm me down, but it also helps get everybody else on the same page Mm -hmm. and it helps us organize our thoughts in a single cohesive manner. And uh, which in my mind brings a lot of order to the meeting that I personally need in order to benefit from sitting through that meeting, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, (laughs) so what would be fun is for you to think about even how do you incorporate that into your own bio, um, which is what I do with my clients is try and learn some of the fun things about them. Um, And sometimes we'll almost use it metaphorically throughout, you know, the bio and sometimes like I had a client who was a, um, a long, long distance runner and would run races and do all that. And so we kind of used her cross the finish line. I don't stop until I, you know, cross the finish line, all that stuff. Uh-huh. I like to come out of the, the starting blocks, you know, that kind of thing. So it was for her, it was fun. And it also back to your point about your passions and how did they, how do you know which ones to follow? You could actually take that and, and merge that into what you say about yourself where it makes sense and people can understand your character through maybe even something you enjoy doing. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to play with the whiteboard thing now in my, in my bio. <laughs> right. So, you know, you could even say, Every idea is a picture. Here, I'll play some personal branding with you. Yeah, well, I, I actually just wrote. <laughs> Every idea for me is a picture. I, I actually just wrote down. It's kind of ironic because my uh, in, when I work with companies to help them do marketing messaging. Yeah. One of the biggest things that I do is help them take their complex messages that that are swirling around in their head 
And, and because they're too close to it, they don't recognize it as complex. And I take that and I help them simplify it so they can see it. And that's exactly what I do whenever I'm in front of a whiteboard. I take a complex thing and simplify it so everybody in the room gets on the same page and understands exactly where we are. And then in addition, get in, gain insights into where we go next. Right. So it's a, it's a great one. And so I think it's a really fun piece. It makes, it makes this whole personal branding process kind of fun. Yeah. Like I had one client who um, we did his bio and he, he goes, look, I'm an engineer who does supply chain management. I'm dull. <laughs> and I go, no, but you're not dull. You're really a cool person and you do all kinds of interesting things. And so I challenged him to come up with some of the things he enjoys. And he talked about when he travels for business, he doesn't just go to the hotel. He actually always gives at least half a day to go explore the city. And then he talked about how he just spent too much money on the last of the Grateful Dead tickets. And, you know, and he said he gets so many comments where people call and say, really? Well, how's the concert? And blah, 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 right? So we've talked about needs. We've talked about values, strengths, our freak factors. And something else that you mentioned earlier, we, we take all of these things together and then we can start to identify how we go about finding our target yeah. audience. So when people hear target audience, they, they most likely start thinking about, well, it's a business and who are you going to go after? But I'm an employee at a company. So how does a target audience apply to me as an employee of a company? Well, the first, the first target audience, I mean, there are two of them right, right off the bat. One is your boss and, and the other would be your coworkers. And then I would also say that if you are client-facing, your clients then become part of your target audience. So when I worked um, with the, the partners at the big four accounting firm, that was always a question I looked at was who, who is it that you need to influence about who you are and what you do? And for some of them, they said, well, most of my business comes from other partners referring me for this specialty work. And so we, we actually put together a plan around how did he let them, he or she let them know more what they did, you know, and then it might be to the clients, you know, so if they were in an advisory practice where they were always having to kind of build new business, we really looked at who those people were. So here's an example of somebody, I always like to use a story. There was one of my partners who loved music and he was a tax guy and he goes, okay, Susan, so and this is back where he had like four iPods filled with music. So it was a little while ago. He said, but what am I going to do that with this? This is not, you know, like, what's this have to do with my target audience? What's this have to do with my work? How do I incorporate that? And I said, well, do you ever take your clients out to, you know, dinner or do anything entertaining? He goes, yeah. And I said, well, we live in the Bay Area. They have all these great winery and concert series. Why not take a client out there? So he started taking his clients to these these winery dinners that had concerts and there are a couple of really lovely ones here in the Bay area. Um, and then about a year went by and I got an email from him and he said, I found another way I want to do this. He said, I invited all my employees over to my house for a summer barbecue and I had a local band come and play. Now he's a tax person 
but he was trying to build relationships too. And so back to that target audience, he, what he knew his target audience of his employees wanted was they wanted to feel connected and they wanted to feel connected and noticed by him. So he started to think about ways he could really do that to um, to have it be fun because he had a little bit of a, um, I don't want to say not not a nice reputation, but just stiff and not approachable, even though he was a super nice guy. And so he decided that was going to be something he really worked on. And, and I think what's important for people to know too is that these things don't change overnight. It took him really probably a year to two years to fully implement what he learned when we worked together. And I'm sure you find that with your clients too. Like they, there are things that they can immediately do and then other things that they, they sort of have to adjust to. Yeah. And well, I mean, and I, I see it in myself as well, you know, so for example, when you, and I was going to, this is going to be one of my next questions. So uh, segue <laughs> when you're writing your personal brand profile or your statement, you write it first and you read it and you go, yeah, that sounds right. But it takes a while for it to sink in yeah. for you to really grasp what that sentence is saying, I think. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think it, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, like even to this, like, okay, so I teach this and I work with this and I change what I, how I introduce myself with almost every single person. But I, I know what it is that I, I do want to say and kind of what I stand for and what I represent. But I think it's really hard. And I, I think especially for people, and I think this is most of us, this is where things feel like bragging. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? In this place of, of being able to own that. Like I remember my dad about a year ago, he goes, wow, you know, you're really an expert at what you do. And I said, you know, dad, I am. (laughs) It took me a lot of years to say that. (laughs) Right, right. So speaking of bragging and introducing yourselves, and you mentioned it right out of the gate, let's wrap things up here by talking about our personal brand commercial, right? So we've talked about needs and values and strengths and freak factors and our target audience and how And all of those things, I know we can wrap them up into personal brand statements, but what um, I really liked what you said um, towards the end of this particular chapter in your book, Personal Branding for Dummies, was using this personal brand commercial. So can you you tell us what it is and then how do we, is there like a formula that we can use to create one? So so I think what you want to think about, let's just break this down a little bit. What I was just saying is I introduce myself a little differently with everybody I am meeting. So part of what you want to think about is who's your target audience? What do they need to hear from you? So it may come across that um, you need to somehow show your expertise to that group, or maybe you're just trying to make a connection and say, I'm like you. I mean, one of the things I always try and do, and I think this is a, a good business building slash personal branding exercise is how do you find ways that you're the same with that person and then build from that and add who you are? So, so if you take this whole process of really learning who you are, what are some of the key things that you're proud of about yourself? What are your strengths? Which strengths might you want to emphasize who that target market is? When you introduce yourself, you want to think about what is it that they need to hear from me and what is it that I want to tell them a little bit about kind of who I am and and what I do. And so for me, what was nice is once I had the book is 
I kiddingly will say, I'm a dummies author. And people go, oh, which one? And then that becomes a nice little introduction of how um, this was built on my foundation of being you know, a career development, uh, a career coach, a career coach and a career counselor, and really to build from that. I think it's important to not be too much uh, formalized. I do have a formula in the book where you take a look and say, okay, what are some of my essential qualities? So there's there's that place of, I know I'm in my element when. If you were to answer these questions, this will help you with your statement. I know I'm in my element when. So when do you know that you are like awesome? Where you go, I had such a great day. I was like really good today. So that was one. The second one is people recognize my expertise in. So you could even say that. People recognize my expertise in personal branding, and I work with senior level clients to help them build their personal brands, either in career transition or while they're in their role, current role, something like that. And then finally, the, the people comment on my ability to, so this might be your what are called your superstar factor. So what are some of those things that set you apart? What is something that no one else has? In my case, it's that I'm a dummies author. I'm personal branding for dummies. And so that's a little bit what I use as a superstar quality. I really like the idea of a of looking at it as a commercial, as opposed to the standard things that people talk about, which is an elevator pitch or, you know, a, a tagline. I mean, I'm, I'm my, in my book, I say tagline as well, or a personal brand statement, but I really like the idea of a commercial. And I think that probably resonates with a lot of people, because if you think about it, commercials, they change you know, a brand's going to change their commercial for whatever product that they're showing based on the location that they are, right? So the, the same commercial that plays, say, in the United States may not play as well in Europe somewhere. Exactly. So you have to be able to adjust your commercial to the target audience that you're speaking to or trying to reach. So I, I really like thinking of it that way as opposed to a statement which says, this is the only thing you can say. Does that make sense? Right. And I think that it's a, that's a really important thing that you just said. I think it's important for people not to have a canned speech because then you sound fake. Right. Right. And, and that's an important one. It's even, it's been interesting. I've got this little side project on wisewoman.com and it's really a community service group of women and it's, it's brand new. So I've been even practicing and trying to figure out how am I going to succinctly say what we do. And so it's been even just a new challenge for me there. Well, let's go ahead and wrap things up here. So is there, um, other than wise woman, is there anything interesting that you're working on right now that you would like to share with anybody who's listening today? Well, I'm, so I'm working on this thing called wisewoman.com. It is like a I said it's about community connection, shared wisdom, um, and service. And so that's been a piece that I've been working on. I also am um, about ready to start teaching a personal brand certification training program through the career thought leaders. And so, yeah, so that's kind of fun. And then my last thing is I'm doing a thing with a group called Women Sharing Wisdom, where I've been mentoring a young woman in Nairobi, Kenya, and I'm going to Kenya in November with a women's conference of women from Kenya and women from the U.S. And then we'll go on safari. Wow, cool. So, yeah. That is, that is awesome. For, for anybody who's listening now that may want to get in touch with you personally, is what would be the best ways for them to contact you? 
So my website is Susan Critton and it's C-H-R-I-T-T-O-N, SusanCritton.com. Um, they can reach me through that or the easiest, I always think the easiest address to give is Susan Critton at Gmail. Any final thoughts, tips, words of wisdoms, anything you'd like to pass along to people that are listening today? No, I just think that I love that the more people who can go and be themselves and, and be the best selves they can be, is that's the way we're going to change the world to a better place. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Susan, thank you very much for being a guest on the show today. It was awesome to talk to you. I loved your book. For anybody who is listening who has not read your book, highly recommend it. Personal Branding for Dummies. Go out and pick it up today. And just thanks again for everything that you do. Great. Thanks so much, Ryan. I appreciate it. It seems I hear it more and more these days. People I speak with or those that reach out via social media or email are increasingly frustrated with their place in their careers. Some are struggling to reach the next level. Some want to do something completely different and others have been let go from a role and need to find their next job. Some of you know, many of you won't, but two weeks after this podcast releases will mark one year since the company I'd worked for for 13 years decided to eliminate my position and thus my tenure with the company. Since that time, I've been working as a freelancer, helping small businesses and career professionals build their brands and marketing messages online. This is a big reason why this podcast has been released sporadically over the last year. Since my release date, if you will, I've spent a lot of time contemplating how I've managed to not go out and, quote, get a job when my very first reaction was to do just that. The answer it seems comes down to one simple word, preparation. Ironically, my preparation started years before when I was turned down for a role at the same company. A role, by the way, that many people, including my boss, thought I deserved. That inciting incident opened my eyes and made me start to prepare, although I had no idea at the time what I was preparing for. As I was looking for answers, I found personal branding and knew right away that this is what I needed. You see, as Susan mentioned earlier, something had gone wrong in my career, so I was open to exploring. How many of you listening right now have had something go wrong with your career? How many of you are dissatisfied at work? How many of you feel stuck in your career and it feels like you'll just never reach that next level? Here's the truth that you may not want to hear, but it's possible that you may not reach the next level at your company and you may never be satisfied with your work where you are today. There could be something missing in your hierarchy of needs. Maybe the company values no longer align with your own. You may be working in an area that does not allow you to use your strengths or you may be working for a boss who does not appreciate your freak factor. Whatever the reasons, you know you're frustrated. So don't wait until you've been let go or passed over. Instead, take the time now to prepare. As Susan stated in this conversation, you need to be authentic to yourself. But if you don't know what motivates you, if you don't know your values or your strengths, being authentic in your work life will elude you and reaching the point of self-actualization in your career may not be obtainable where you are today. So if you're dissatisfied with your work, 
If you've been let go or you struggle to reach the next level in your career, I urge you to start preparing now by picking up a copy of Susan's book, Personal Branding for Dummies. Go through the exercises, determine your needs, your strengths, your freak factor, and your personal brand commercial, and start moving up Maslow's hierarchy so you can reach your full potential. The world will be a better place because of it. Susan, thank you very much for being a guest on the show today and sharing your wisdom with us. And thanks, of course, as always, to you, the listener, for tuning in today. I appreciate you listening in and staying subscribed despite the long breaks between episodes. If you are stuck in your career or if you struggle to reach the next level, shoot me an email at ryan at careerbrand.co. That's ryan at careerbrand.co. Let me know what you're struggling with and let's put together a plan to help you prepare for your next career adventure. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, I've been Ryan and I'm out. Today's show was edited and produced by Ryan Roten. The transition music is I Love Paris by Sounds Visual. And the intro and outro music, as always, is Pulse by Soundroad. All the music in this episode is stock media purchased with a royalty-free license from Pond 5.